there's something good about work. And I think that when you have that productivity and you are accomplishing the things that God has put in front of you, I think there's something that is life-giving to that. It's not this bummer that you have to go to. It's this thing that I feel rejuvenated from getting strength. I'm getting stronger from doing this work. I'm not getting weaker from doing it. And we are back with the Unyielding Podcast, uh, episode three, and it's good to be with you guys today. We are talking about work, and I thought just to start off, we'd go around and find out what everybody's worst job that they have had in their life, and Spencer, we're going to start with you. Oh, wow. Coming to me first. Okay. Um, my worst job, I was a, a sandwich artist in a gas station uh <laughs> I don't know if we can name the names of these places. I was a sandwich artist, but the, but the, the sandwich food delivery place was in a gas station. So half of it was a gas station. Half of it was that place. And, um, yeah, it was rough. That I didn't not the best job. How could no, that be your first bro, job? <laughs> it was not good. It was a super busy store. People were getting gas and sandwiches. Oh, you were making good sandwiches then. Oh, That's why I was busy. I I, <laughs> I did my best. I did my best. I'm feeling but, a little uh, hungry, Spence. Yeah, man. So problem number one, I couldn't get my dang hands in those little plastic things you have to wear to make the sandwiches. Okay. So uh, all, the, uh, all the, the women I worked with were old Mexican women. And they would always get pissed off at me because I couldn't get on the line fast. You know, I couldn't get to work quick. And so they gave me all these tips. They were oiling down the back of my hands so I could slide the gloves on. It was weird. Just, oil and vinegar? Just the oil and vinegar from the food. Yeah, straight to the back of the hand. Didn't help. Honey, didn't must, help. honey mustard. Yeah, didn't help at all. And then my hands are oily. So now problem. Do they cast you in English or Spanish? Both. Well, I just imagine you in yeah. the back eating sandwiches, being like, "I'm sorry, hey, my hands are gloves on." Then the lady who owned some part of this—I don't know—I was young. She was like a stickler, so there were rules. You could only put twelve olives on a foot-long sandwich. Nobody in the world was happy with that. So every customer was yelling at us. I had one guy, he just came from the gym. He he was like, yeah, get your manager. I was like, dude, do we have to do this? We can't put more olives on here. There were cameras facing us. Where was she at? Because it's a gas in the back station somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Watching shop. the yeah. video. Like right there, was next a, to you. there was a small closet room that she <laughs> lived in or stayed in. <laughs> so she was angry all the time. It's better. Yeah, it was better. rough. She was not, she was not cool. Um, I don't even know how that one ended. I think I just didn't come back one day. I'm trying to wonder how you got the job. Like, what attracted you to go to work? I just needed money, dude. <laughs> I hadn't gotten hired at another place. I was coming out of high school. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, the one thing that was really good, I learned how to cut onions without crying. So, okay. uh, a tip from the Mexican ladies I work with, you put them in the freezer first. You put them in there for like 15, 20 minutes. You can cut them. And all <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I've never heard of that. All the whatever that gets in the air doesn't make you cry. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. Tobes. Yeah, uh, I think I've had a lot of jobs. I think maybe my worst, I went for an interview. Was, I was in between jobs. I went for an interview at this cafe, this small cafe, and it was calm when I went there. Um, and I, you know, I'm doing the interview and then, you know, starts picking up the business, you know, and I'm doing the interview. So like, you sure you're not overqualified? I'm like, no, no, no. I, I really want to work here. And all these, I see all these people inside just sweating, moving around and making all this coffee and sandwiches and all that stuff. I was like, she's like, okay, great. Well, we'll see you, you know, Monday. I'm like, okay, great. And then Monday morning comes, I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I just called. I'm not. I quit. <laughs> so it's not time on the job. It's not a job you ever had. <laughs> In the no, top, no, of my no, I did have it. I did have it, but uh, just for the morning. <laughs> Contractually, you had it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst. I just contractual could, only. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised because you've had a, you've been you've had an interesting job history over your life. Lots of jobs. That's true. Yeah. Bo. Uh worst job. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't probably uh, uh spinning signs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did that for for a, a long time and uh it's just kind of a waste of time except that you're getting paid, right? Cuz you just literally have to stand there and Cuz no one can read the sign. Yeah, well, you know, if if you're doing <laughs> no your job cares. right, you know, and no one cares. Yeah. No one's actually following those signs. Yeah, right? um, yeah, that was probably the worst job. Uh, I mean, but it it paid a decent amount. It paid over minimum wage. Really? Yeah, it's very yeah, surprising. Yeah, and and, we were kids um, too. And there's like you get some interesting characters because there's like you know yeah we were yeah I was in high school I think and uh, and then there's uh you know there's like grown men working that job and those guys are always really interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I just think you could podcast. You could listen to podcasts during that job. Yeah, everybody's got their podcast. Uh, I was on cassette tapes. I was on cassette tapes yeah. and, and we and we were Tobias and I both worked it and um and we would swap cassette tapes on break you know hey can I get yours and and uh <laughs> your chronic yeah and it would um and it would uh we'd stretch out the the tapes because we just played the same like four yeah. tapes all the time that's funny Phil yeah um photo booth company for these two brothers it always had tech <laughs> issues <laughs> I was really no uh, <clears throat> high school, I worked for this company that put up uh, Christmas lights on really fancy big houses and strip malls. And so sometime around the fall, October, there was they had this huge warehouse of all these Christmas lights, and we had to take them down um, from these pallets, these big tubs, plug them in and see which light bulbs were broken and replace them. So we had this like waste pouch full of like 50 different types of Christmas lights with needle nose pliers. We'd plug them in. And then we'd have to stretch them out and pull the bulbs out and put them back in. And you, my fingertips would be shocked. They'd be black from being shocked so much all day. And so nine hours a day just sitting there putting Christmas light bulbs back in and getting shocked and then putting them back or throwing them away. So that menial task every year of undoing your Christmas lights is that was your... <laughs> yeah, that's why we don't have Christmas lights on our house anymore. <laughs> <laughs> mine was... mine was, go back? <laughs> PTSD flashback. Yes. <laughs> mine was probably blockbuster that was my first real job job it was just real low morale and uh <laughs> no the, the blockbuster company don't you lie to us blockbuster had a uniform you had khakis and one of those you know tucked in blue uh, uh, blockbuster shirts polos and i love having a uniform Oh, I hate this. is a terrible looking uniform. It doesn't uniform. matter. You don't have to decide anything. Yeah. You just show up and go. I have a uniform now, but at the time I didn't appreciate it. And and uh, it was just, uh, you get free movies to rent, so that was great. But the rest of it, man, it was just a very- Was it the VHS or DVD era that you worked? No. VHS. Oh, it had VHS. VHS. Yeah, <laughs> VHS. That was a- It's funny. So Blockbuster, if, if you guys don't know what Blockbuster is, look it up, kids. All right. Today we're talking about work and just from, you know- uh, uh, work is a huge part of our life. It's a huge part of our design. I was preaching a sermon over the weekend where I touched on our design for work that just comes from even before the fall. Like God made man to do work, to be on mission. Uh, Genesis chapter two, starting verse seven says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And here he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then in verse 15, it says, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it, right? And so we talk about those ideas of just cultivating and keeping are, are pretty central to the purpose of man 
the design of man, the intent of man. He used to cultivate the garden. He used to, to you know, dig wells and work on irrigation and make the garden uh, bigger and function better. And then uh, that was the cultivate part. And he's supposed to keep the garden, which is to protect the increase that came from it and and maintain it and, and do the things that God had given him. And so that's kind of the the design of man to work. Um, and so when we, when it comes to talking about work, man, I, I think a lot of people, that's a bummer subject for them. I think work sounds like something you don't want to do. Sounds like something you're, you know, you can't wait until Friday till you get off and you don't have to work again. Monday's a bummer cause you have to go back to work. And, um, and so a lot of our modern kind of concept of work doesn't seem like it fits really well with God's actual intent and design that we were made to work, particularly men were designed and made to work and to work hard. And so that's what we want to talk about today is is work ethic and God's design. I want to say um, when it comes to to Jesus, we come forward to the New Testament. So then there's the fall, right? So so part of the curse um, that comes from the fall is that work is going to be hard. You're going to you're going to work from the sweat of your brow, right? That that it's going to be difficult. And and in the Garden of Eden, things would have given themselves up and sprouted, and life and work would have been enjoyable and and good. And yet we come to the the garden and or now we come out of the garden and they're expelled from the garden. Now you're gonna have to work. You're gonna have to dig, hit rocks, pull weeds, like all the kinds of things that maybe wouldn't have happened in the garden. It's gonna be a lot more difficult, a lot harder. Then we come to the new Testament. We find Jesus. He tells the parable of the, the, the minas, the terrible, the cities, the, the parable of the, um, talents. of the talents. And, and it's clear that he, the basic idea is that God has given you certain things that he expects you to be productive with. He expects you to, produce with. And so um, that should be, I think, I think as we look at what the ideal is and the scriptures, this idea that God intends for us to work hard and for that work to produce something of value um, that is, is honorable, that God likes that. And that's important part of his call and design for our lives. So um, what's just been your experience with trying to, to become someone who is who is ready to fulfill God's call in your life to to work to be diligent? To, and what are some of those? What are some of the things that that you've experienced in your life as far as as far as work that God has called you to? You know, I think because we started with the job, the worst jobs, and we all told to like. I think part of that, a lot of it was our some of our youngest jobs. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think part of that is stepping out. Right, that's stepping out and taking some risk and trying. Right, like that's part of the parable of the talents too. Is so, someone who hid their talent on the ground and didn't do anything, didn't take any risks. He was the one who uh, who had harsh words for him, you know. But I think part of it is just as young men and as you grow, like you just gotta you just gotta try things. You gotta take take steps of faith. Um, and I like you said the other day that it was in your Sunday school. They said, "How do you spell faith?" R I S K. Yeah, risk, which is a great thing to tell kids. Yeah, um, because you know, terrible jobs. You're gonna you're gonna encounter things, but you have to you have to try. You have to step out and take risk, and then you start learning. You know what you're good at, what you were made for, what's possible, what you want to do, and what you don't want to do. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just make you know just getting out there. Whereas a lot of kids now they'll sit at home and say, uh, "Where's my six figures?" Right? Like, "Oh man, I can't do it." You know? And yeah. it's like, go just start working, start doing something. And then I think we'll probably get to it. But the idea that like work is not just your nine to five job, right? Right. Your work of building the kingdom, hard work of having a family of being good to people of sacrificing and being generous, like work is your life. Um, you know, and it's, and taking, taking joy in that. So, um, well, maybe that's actually a, a good place to actually start rather than getting to later. Um, separating out the idea of work and job. Cause I think sometimes in, at least in my experience with the world, I think people think about work as the place that I go to, that I earn a paycheck 
or the the career choice that I've gotten or a job. And um, and they're not always they're certainly not the same thing, but but that is maybe a distinction that is it needs to be clarified a little bit. I like one of the things that Douglas Wilson says. He says, you know, um, when the first settlers came out to California, there were no jobs, but there was a lot of work. Right. right? So like like, um, you know, sometimes we fit into this kind of modern view of like, I'm going to go get a job where I'm going to clock in, I'm going to clock out. And that's what work is. And work fundamentally is a different thing than that in, in all of the history of life. And I think we have kind of a weird modern view of it where it's like this, this compartmentalized part of our life where work is actually the thing that we do all day long in lots of different ways and lots of different functions. And, and, and we should be able to kind of flow in and out of that. So, so that idea, I don't, I don't want to just, us to just talk about work from a job perspective, but work from a perspective of of who I am, the mission God has called me to, and how I how I fulfill that, and how I accomplish that. Yeah, well, I can. Well, really quickly, if you're defining it that way, I just got back from a beach camping trip with my kids, and that's not a vacation. That's yeah. work with three kids under yeah. six years old. So even though I wasn't at my job, I was still working. But that's what God has called me to as a father is. That's part of my job is to work as a father. So yeah, it's, it, I don't know how many times I've come back from vacation. I can't wait to to get to work so I can relax. You know? <laughs> it's like I got six kids. It's a uh, it's no joke. God out bless there, your wife and mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you know one of the things people talk about work and jobs. Jobs people get in the mindset, especially the modern mindset of it's something you have to do. I have to do it. And then if you think that about everything that is work or hard, I think going into going into marriage, going into even friendships, going into hard things, thinking I have to do it is a terrible way to live. I mean, you just go from one thing to the next, just hanging your head saying, I have to do it and feel beaten down. Whereas one of the biggest shifts in my life when I was young came from the idea that I didn't have to do it. I get to do it. It's an opportunity. There's things I can do and I get the chance to work hard and I can just sit at home and do nothing. But the fact that I get to do these things, I might as well do them well and be excited about it and make it something that I want to do. Um, and I think that's a big thing. One of my favorite verses, Ecclesiastes talking about work, you know, and that, and that book has some things about, you know, um, he goes the other way and, and talking about, you know, what's under the sun is pointless. But one of the, one of the sections says there's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Yeah. And that like that, that really has always stuck out to me is make your soul enjoy good in your labor. If you've got something to do, you might as well find a way to enjoy it and find the value in it. If not, you know, you, if you look at everything, your whole life as this thing you have to do, it'll really beats it. It beats so many people down. Yeah, there's a a story that I love that kind of illustrates a similar point. Because um, part of it is is how do you enjoy what you're doing, and part of that I think is how do I get the big picture, and what am I accomplishing? And there's a story about uh, an, a famous architect from London, Sir Christopher Wren. And um, back in the medieval period, they were building the the Cathedral of St. Paul in London. And, and uh, uh, yes, <laughs> so you guys are all familiar with. Um, <laughs> of course. And and, uh, and so Christopher Wren, who wasn't known to the workers, he he went down one time to visit the job site. And he talked to the first guy, said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, I'm cutting stone for the building. And he talked to the next guy and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm here making uh, six pence. Uh, that's what I'm getting paid for the day. So I'm working. He talked to another guy who seemed like he was going about his work really happy. He was carrying buckets. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren build the greatest cathedral in all of London. So he had this view, right, of the big picture of what am I trying to, what am I a part of? What are we doing here? What are we trying to accomplish? And I think the idea when you feel like I have, I'm doing something valuable and important 
and satisfying is like, man, it makes that word. There's something good about work. And I think that when you have that productivity and you are accomplishing the things that God has put in front of you, I think there's something that is life-giving to that. It's not this bummer that you have to go to. It's this thing that I feel rejuvenated from getting strength. I'm getting stronger from doing this work. I'm not getting weaker from doing it. Yeah. Well, there's two, there's two mentalities that I think that could be at work with what you're talking about, which is um, fear of loss and hope for gain. And the guy that's talking about, I'm earning a sixpence. I feel like his mentality is a fear of loss. Like if I don't show up, if I don't do this, I'm going to go hungry. My kids are going to go hungry. And that's a, it's a fatalist mentality. Whereas hope for gain, someone's motivated, someone's seeking to build, someone's um, seeing the value in building something. And then when you build it, it will have value and you increase and you increase. And so those two mentalities um, can have detrimental effects on your attitude and how you see the world and taking risks and, and, and things of that nature. So. There's, so there's something about, <clears throat> there's something about work that, um, I had to learn. It doesn't feel good. So I, you opened with the, the, uh, verse from in the garden when, you know, Adam is told he's going to be working and it's definitely different before the fall. So there was an element of work that may, are, we don't know how it was different. It was more truly satisfying. It, there, there was, it was still work, but it had something different. After the fall, there is, I mean, it says like, it's not fun anymore. And so uh, the verse from Ecclesiastes is something I, I'm glad you said it because I haven't thought of it that way, but at, you know, just doing the work is part of what I've always uh, like had in my life as well. Like it's not going to be fun. It's not, and um, I think it's, it doesn't have to always be fun. I, I would say it that way. Not that it's not going to be fun. It can be still be very satisfying after you've done hard work. Um, the other thing is, I think sometimes probably just growing up in the United States, we get like a view of what we think work will be like, right? So you go to school, you do work, just like you said, it, it's a, it's contained within a job. But even at the job, I, every place I've been, it's always been like, oh, that's what I'm going to do today. <laughs> that's way different than what I thought. Um, I was in the I was in the military for a bit. I was a, a meteorologist. And so my training was to like predict the weather, forecast it and and do that type of stuff. Um, but we had a project at my unit where we did landscaping for three weeks. And I was like, what or what am I doing? I, we were cutting bricks. I was like, I don't know how to cut a brick. And he was like, yeah, we do it like this. We were like laying down rocks, we all this stuff. And it, it was like, not what I had signed up for. <laughs> it was hard. It was, uh, but it was satisfying. It was good work. It, something needed to be done. And so we did it. So there's, there's a, an element of work that I think, um, I've always wanted to really understand and take control over. And like, this is what I'll do. And it stops right there. And it just, never really goes that way it's always a little more a little different um which i've had to kind of come to grips with so you know, the, oh go ahead, go ahead Bob. i was gonna say you mentioning kind of that that type of physical work like you needed to uh, uh do some landscaping or you needed to do something with bricks and build something and then you, you put your hands to it and when you had done the work you saw what you had built it was needed you did the work and, and now you saw the result i think that uh, a challenge for me throughout my my career really working um, a lot of times has been that the type of jobs we have in the United States, the, the modern types of jobs, they're less connected to 
the true need kind of in our own lives or our family's lives or even in other people's lives. A lot of times we're, we're kind of working on a very small piece of something or something that we can't clearly see that when we are done for the day, uh, did we do a good job or did we not? Did we fulfill the need that we were aiming for? Because we don't even, th- there's like a real disconnect. It's kind of ab- abstract. It's not, um, my family needs food today. Okay, well, my work is to go find food. And that's either, you know, something that I planted or it's planting something today. So I have it tomorrow when, to harvest or it's going out to hunt or whatever or building a fence or, you know, the, the type of things that like, um, like you said, there there weren't jobs, but there was plenty of work to do. And it was so connected to the need. Right. Where at the end of the day, is your, did you build a good fence? You know, is it, is it standing? Did you, did you plant your field? Did you get food for your family? Did you draw, you know, dig a well, that kind of thing. Um, and I think that the challenge, uh, a lot of times for, for myself personally is I really enjoy that kind of work. Um, that's not my <laughs> my profession. That's not my career. Right. And so it's keeping in my mind, um, you know, kind of um, the mission and the goal and why am I working um, and and connecting it back to providing for my family, sowing into the future, building building out the things that my family does actually need. And I think keeping that connection clear um, is a little bit more, uh, uh, you have to be a little more intentional about it than just, hey, we need to dig this ditch. Yeah, I think that I think for most of my life, that's not something that I was conscious of, that the way that we do work is weird. Right. You know, Um, but I think there's something, you know, you think about how most people lived and and this goes back to, I think, a couple things that we in modern life are actually like poor for all of our advancement. Um, The idea that you would go away from your family for eight or nine hours a day, 10 hours a day. Um, and, and you'd go spend the best part of your day there working for somebody else in some cubicle somewhere, crunching numbers, doing whatever it is you're going to do. And then you come home and it's kind of like your family gets sometimes the leftovers. At least that's kind of how it can seem. And it's sort of this very disconnected, you know, I don't know. I was a youth pastor for, for two decades and I I don't know how many times I could tell you, I'd ask kids, what do your parents do? And they're like, I don't know. I don't really know what it is. Or, or, uh, you know, even a husband and wife are going two different directions to two different jobs where they're working for two different missions, two different people. And, and, and they're not connected and they're not working together. I think that when you think about how the productive household worked for most of time, it was usually where you worked and where you lived were the same place. Um, you know, if you were a Smith, you had a, a forge, you know, right next to your house or whatever. And, and during the day, your wife would come down, your kids would, you know, your, your son would come bring you wood for the forge or what it was, everybody was working and seeing that work and in the same environment, you guys were, there was some, some unity and some direction to the household that was going the same direction. And that's totally lost in modern life. And I wonder if our families aren't more disconnected and disempowered because of there's not that same kind of, of, you know, unified push for a family as far as work, because our work is so disconnected from our full lives. I would say you should, we should be pushing towards that. The more time you can spend with family, the more connected your household, the more work you can do together. I think that's the better. I will try to give some people peace though, about being in seasons where they are working a nine to five in an office. Um, Cause I've been, the, I've been there too. I think some of it is timeline, right. Of, of thinking this is all you have. If you're only focused on the immediate, you think, 
I'm, you know, I'm failing. This isn't, this isn't the work I, I should be doing or want to be doing. Um, I oftentimes think of, uh, think of Joseph, right? Being, he had, he had some meaningful work, but he was, a lot of times he did faithful work and he was on God's, um, he was following God into a prison and into places that he didn't want to be, but he was being faithful. He knew he was part of a bigger picture. He knew he was headed somewhere, but he was being faithful where God had him and he was blessed for it, right? In a place that nobody would say they want to be. Um, he was doing the work that God had for him. Um, and then eventually he does end up, right? He has more authority. He's reunited with his family. He's He reaches that place. But if you would only looked at a certain window and saying, I'm not doing what God, I can't possibly be where God wants me to be. Yeah. But if you would have looked at a longer timeline, yeah. right? And then known too, and that's some for me is, you know, I want to be close to my family. I've had seasons where I have to be in an office nine to five, but I know I'm putting in that work and, and I'm still on this path with God that there's something adventurous about it. There's something about hard work for this season, which a season may be a year or two, right? Like, I don't think you should say, you know, one day I'll retire and be with my family, right? Like that, that you, you want to make sure you keep some kind of balance there where, um, you know, your, your horizon isn't too far. Like one day I'll make it and then I can stop working. I feel like a lot of guys do get into that of once I make it, then I'll be able to relax. So that brings up the kind of the idea of work-life balance. Before we get there, though, I, I want to just say I, I recognize there's a like a problem of families being disconnected, going different directions. I don't know what the solution is because I don't know how many jobs there are where you can actually bring your family into the job and work. How you know we, our yeah. world is not set up that way, particularly. Uh, but it is important to think about what am I after? What are we looking for? What are we? What is the goal that we're trying to accomplish? So you know, are we being successful in pursuing that? Am I being successful in pursuing that? Because so often we just kind of follow a, a preset kind of trajectory. You go to high school, you find out what you're good at, you kind of fall into a career or something. And a lot of times we don't think that much about what it is that I'm doing and how I'm doing it until you know you you don't have a bigger picture of what you're seeking, what you're after. So that's definitely something to work out. But but I think just going back from that in the life that we all live, we, we, everybody here, Phil, you own your own business. Um, the four of us work for somebody else. We, we have a, a job where we, um, we go to. And, um, and so in that, how do you balance out the needs of life, the, the needs of pursuing other things, um, other, other passion projects, other things you care about, uh, being there, all of us are married, bring there, being there for your family. If you've got kids, being there for your kids, working in the church, serving the Lord, like all the different kinds of parts that go into a whole life. Um, a lot of men tend to make a mistake in, and I think all of us have probably seen that before, where they are too career driven. The career drives everything and they, they leave everything at work and they don't have anything left to give to their families. Um, when they come home or give to their community or give to their church or whatever it is. So how do, how does that, how do you keep that kind of balance, that focus? Because I think the other way is, I, I remember that scene from uh, Dumb and Dumber. I'm like, there's not a job in this whole city. Yeah, not unless you want to work 40 hours a week, you know? <laughs> and um, and the, the idea being that increasingly, man, people don't want to put in 40 hours a week. People <clears throat> want to err on the other side that I... I don't want my whole life to be my job. And so they end up working 30 hours a week or putting it, you know, whatever it is, some, some amount much less than that. So how do you balance out? What is the right amount to work? How do you figure out how do I, how should I be, you know, balancing out my, my family and my work? I think some of it is the season you're in, right? As a, if you're a young man or a young person, you're not married. Um, 
you should be working. I mean, you should be working. <laughs> you should be going out there, taking risks, trying new jobs, multiple jobs, pushing yourself, right? To to try to advance in whatever you're doing, to try to to stack money, to stack skills, to to work hard. And then, you know, when you do get married, now you have a, some split interest, right? Where you need to, you're, you're trying to take care of your marriage and your family and work. Um, but I think at that point, it's always, if we're talking to, to men, it's always on the point of, of you, you can handle the work. You were made for work. You don't work hard all day and then come home and say, I'm spent and put it on your wife and kids and say, now you have to deal with me as a tired person, right? Like, and that you see, you you see that mentality and you even, you feel in yourself to be like, look at all I did today. Um, but the fact is that's, that's that mindset again of look, everything that happened to me, what I had to do today. Whereas instead it should be, what else can I do? How can I fit in more? How can I, how can I push myself to, to have my family prosper and my work and everything else? So that, I mean, that's. Yeah. Balance is kind of a funny word. <clears throat> I don't know that there is a balance. And then I think that's, I get the concept. You do need time to make sure you're healthy, make sure you're, you're, um, you're not overly stressed to where you, you actually hit some kind of breakdown point, but I, I don't see it as balanced and I don't do this perfectly, but I, I think, um, the design is that you work for six days and then there's a, a complete rest day. So you, you have a Sabbath where you don't work. And I think as cl- if we were trying to describe something that is like an, an aim, it's something like that where you have a job, you you perform the duties of this job as well as you can, and then tired or not, wh- whatever comes next, you still work hard at, whether it's at home, at your, with your family, whether you're single and you need to give yourself something else to do, something, something to learn, something to uh, a hobby, a skill to develop. You work hard for as much as you can, um, and then you, you in, are very intentional about rest. Um, and maybe that isn't one full day where you don't touch anything that, that, that kind of is hard to do in the modern world, but you're, you're, the work is the majority. It's not a 50, 50 split. So it's not like eight hours on eight hours off that type of uh, idea. Or when you're off from your work day, now I, I deserve some time back. Um, I think we all need a moment, you know, to organize our brain, to, to shift, from whatever you were focused on at work to the next thing, those types of things are fine. But uh, a balance or like, ah, it's going to be an even split. I don't think that is the way to go. Yeah. <clears throat> to uh, to go off of Tobias's point, uh, young men, there should be a sense of urgency to gre- uh, to create skills that you have and, and stack cash or whatever it is. Because once you get married um, and you have kids, then that opportunity is going to be a lot less to take those risks because then now you're responsible for a wife and kids and everything that they do. Um, and so I think that's the number one thing. And something that Tim Kennedy says is that you should be so tired at the end of the day is as your head is going onto your pillow, you you are falling asleep. Like that's how hard you should be working every day as a young man. Um, and so <clears throat> with that, a- after that, when you're a, a husband and um you're providing for your family. I think the um, the mentality should be that there is an infinite amount of work on both sides of the aisle. There's an infinite amount of work with your family. You could always spend more time with your family. You could always spend more time with your wife, investing in them and nurturing them. And and there is always going to be something to do at work. There's always you can always take up another project at work, or you can always pick up more hours. You can always find a job number two, job number three. Um, and so with regard to balance. Um, I, 
I don't think that you're going to find a balance. You have to constantly have your barometer out and looking at your job and looking at your kids and looking at your wife and looking at your house that you're supposed to maintain and, and um, constantly be evaluating which what needs help and what needs work and what needs maintenance yeah. and, and then distributing your time, talent, and treasure appropriately. So I think part of that is is having that bigger picture, right? I can see... I know what I'm after. I'm, I can see the bigger picture of what I'm trying to accomplish in in all of these things. So I know what it is that I'm trying to do. I think so oftentimes, sometimes as men, it's easy to just put your head down. I'm grinding and you lift your head up and it's been a few years and you don't even, you've lost track of what the mission is, what the goal is, what the overall purpose is. So I think there's something about having a sense, having an idea of what is it that I'm after? What am I trying to accomplish? I think the, I think I heard something uh Mike LeBond said something several years ago that that resonated with me. He said, you should spend your 20s figuring out what you're good at, your 30s perfecting it, and your 40s and 50s and 60s making money at it. And I thought there's something valuable there that um, there is that season of, man, what am I, I'm trying everything because I'm trying to figure out what are my skills, what am I, what am I good at, what do I want to accomplish? And then your 30s really becoming an expert at that. And then your 40s, 50s, 60s making money at it. So that puts you guys, I'm 45. It puts you guys right there on the precipice of about to be 40 coming up here. Um, uh, I think looking back over my life, I think, man, I wish I would have started a lot earlier. If I had been more driven, um, a, a greater sense of the bigger picture of what I wanted to accomplish in my life rather than just kind of spent, I think that I spent my 18 to 23 just kind of coasting not really going after it. And I think, man, if you're an 18 year old kid today, you know, thinking about my own uh, sons and daughters, you have so much of an opportunity just to hit it and go it, go for it and build that you could be light years ahead financially, career wise, just position in life to write your own ticket. Um, that is, it seems like, man, the world is really your oyster. And yet I, I didn't have a sense of that mission, that vision for my life early on. And it took me a long time to develop it, um, which is which has been kind of interesting. So I think there's a, a process that you want to do a lot of things, to take a lot of risks, to try a lot of things, but you want to start that at 15, 14, 13. I mean, you want to start that early of, you know of getting after that work. You know, it's really interesting. Like work's going to be there. You're going to work. No. Most of us, most of us have to have that as a part of, you know, you need to earn money and you need to live. And so the, the format you just laid out, I think is, is generally like a good way to think about it. And then you heard all of our stories, all of our stories describe something early that we did that we did not like. And I think that is a, as much as I didn't want to be doing what, you know, making sandwiches or any of the other jobs that were just like, this is not the way. You have to do it. You have to do it. And work's cumulative. You're even in, in when you go and you put yourself to, you, you know, you work hard at something that you're not liking. You're learning. You're learning things. You're learning um, how to interact with people. Most work requires that you interact with people and that all of those skills stack. And then you get to a point where you now your eyes start to open to the different possibilities based off of the skills you're learning in these jobs where you're like, I can't keep doing this. But what can I do? And so the the journey of work, I don't know how to get around it. It just you're gonna start in a job you don't want to probably stay in for the rest of your life, and that's good. That's teaching you like uh, a lot how to grind, how to grind, motivation, direction, how to think about yourself. Consistency, you know? I think, Consist is another one. Yeah. 
because you, you motivation is going to run out. Yeah. It's hard to get up in the morning. I'm not a morning person. So if I'm relying on motivation, <laughs> you're toast. You're, yeah. You need you're discipline. Done. You need to yeah. be consistent. Yeah. The, the I, I grind, think, let me just say this real quick. The grind is important because uh, all of us, even, I mean, at, at this table, I don't know, all of us have parts of our jobs that we hate that you got to grind through that you got to do. I mean, there's always going to be a part of that. It's ne- you're never going to get to a job where I get to do a hundred percent of the things I want to do. You're always going to have to do things you don't want to do. And that's part of that learning how just to push through and do hard things and, and grind when you have to. Bo. Yeah. I think those first jobs too, like you said, Spence, we all had, you know, I, my very first job, I was 15 and I got a job. I found out you could work at the high school cafeteria, right? And, and no one else would probably hire me at that age. So I, I started working there and I'd, I would get up and I would serve breakfast and I would serve lunch in, in high school. And um, certainly that wasn't, a, you know, a, a prestige type of job. And I wasn't making a lot of money. I think I was, I was making a federal minimum wage, which was five fifteen an hour yeah. uh, at the time. Uh, but, you know, that, um, that job and I think any just getting the job early, starting work early, it allows you to start setting up some patterns in your life where you take the small thing that God has given you and you're faithful in that, you save a portion of it, you you learn to start tithing on that and giving and sowing into the kingdom with that money. And when you do that at 5.15 an hour, um, and then over 10, 20, 30 years of working when you're faithful in those small things, um, I think that it sets up the pattern where now you can be faithful in the in the in the bigger things, you know, and um and it just teaches you um how to deal with money what your priorities are, how you're going to do all that, and just the practical stuff. How, how, do, you, say, how do you budget, you know? I was going to say, what is, a lot of what our work ethic uh, framework looks like right now for us is pro- was probably given to us by our fathers, I'm assuming. And so uh, I, I'm curious to know what your, not to bring up daddy issues on the air, <laughs> we're going to jump right into that. But um, for for me, I mean, my father, you know, he was not the model citizen and he had a lot of faults and, and he, he, he abandoned and, but, um, he would consistently get up for work every single day and he would drink the night before and, you know, but then he would wake up and all three of his kids, myself and, and my brother and sister were all three very different people, but we all saw our father at least get up and go to work every day with a suit and tie. Um, and I don't know how he functioned at work, but we at least, what we saw was that consistency. And I've seen that play itself out in my sister and my brother and myself, all different lifestyles, all different careers. Uh, my brother's on Broadway and, you know, he he's, anyways, I'm curious to know if that has any if influence in how you view work um, and if that needs to be retrained and reframed um, or if it had to be reframed and for younger men if you don't have a father that works hard how do you reframe that how, how does that look different that's a really good question i uh as you were saying it i got a picture of uh of my pop working on things he smoked cigarettes his whole life so i got a picture of him uh and i feel like it's um it matters to me right now because i'm having to i just got a house and i'm having to work on all kinds of stuff i don't know how to do and um, is hard and frustrating. And I got a picture of him. He would be like, he would need to fix a sink or something and he'd have a cigarette. And I can see him looking at it the same way I look at it. Like, <laughs> But he would do it, you know, like he would, he'd be doing it or he'd be working on a, a car and he'd be like, I don't know what's going on in there, but he'd be doing it. And, 
And so there are these elements that came from my dad about work. Like, um, I, I never heard him complain about it, which is one thing that I, I think he imparted to me, like, what's the point? Like, it's not going anywhere else. Nobody else is coming to help you with this. Get to it. Figure it out if you can. Go ask somebody for help. Um, you know, and so that I definitely got from my dad. And then, um, yeah, he had he had a job always. It was different jobs at different points in time. But knowing he went out, he did those jobs, he came back. And then um, that is, uh, it's definitely mapped to me in some ways. There's a pattern that I took from it that was really important. I'd say for me, as I look back over it, I'm not sure that my dad, my dad was a hard worker. He's a carpenter. Um, he'd work long hours. He'd be in his shop forever. So it's not that my dad was afraid to work, but I didn't see it as much. And I think when my, my parents split up, we had some dysfunction. In our family it was, uh, my dad was an addict and alcoholic when I was young. And so, uh, I didn't get a great model from that. And I think by the time I got to my middle school years, I was just looking to like, how do I coast? How do I get by? I did not have a strong work ethic. It took me a long time to develop what I think is a strong work ethic and, and not be afraid to work. And also um, there's kind of a, not just the, the do the work, but also the willing to like the competency part. Can I do it? Can I succeed? And it's interesting to hear you guys talk about that stuff. Cause I think as I've thought about masculinity and, and raising my sons and, and um, I thought about how important it is to have a model. One of the things I've, I've said for years is that early on, I was familiar with Christianity. I probably wasn't a Christian and, and I wasn't a Christian in junior high and high school, but I knew I believed in God and I, I knew that I didn't have what it took to live for him. I knew that I could not be a godly man because I looked out, I didn't have any examples of what a godly man was. It wasn't until I became 19, 20, 21 that I met, you know, John Hoffman, Mark Hoffman. I saw these guys and, and seeing them, I thought, oh, I could do that. You know, and so the importance of having a model, I think that idea of like your dad being a part of passing on work ethic and competency is actually a really important thing. And I think it's something that we as just culturally do not do well. And that's part of what we were talking before about the productive household is the idea of like, man, you'd see your dad work and you'd even be a part of it. You would have responsibility with it. And I think that idea of this is what I try to accomplish and, and what is really on the forefront of my mind is that men receive uh, the idea of competency and the idea of I can do it from their dads. That's how it's a design to work as it's designed to function. We don't do a good job of passing that on to our, to our family and our kids. And, um, and I've seen people who feel like I can't do it. The other day I was having a conversation with my, my, one of my sons and uh, we were, it was, it was a workout thing. He was, he was had to do these push-ups, and he's just like, I can't do it. And I said, man, stop saying I can't do it. Uh, and I, I, we, I said, I said, I said, son, look at me. It was a loving, it was a loving moment. I said, I said, say, I can do it. He said, I can do it. He's looking down. I said, say, say, I'm capable. I'm capable. Say, I will succeed. I will succeed. Say, I can do it. I can do it. And like, as, like tears start welling up his eyes. And it wasn't yeah. like a, it wasn't, I can't do it. It was, it was, I can do it. And my dad is encouraging me right now. My dad is standing with me. And so I know I can do it. And I think that is what I'm after. That is, so much of of being a capable man comes from from not being afraid to work and competency. And and I can figure it out. I'll be able to figure it out. And I think that that's a huge part of what men need to be successful and women need to. What men and women need to go into the world and say, "I'm going to be successful. I'm expecting to be successful." Because 
one, my dad stood with me. And again, if we're just going to bring it back just spiritually is like, is that's my physical dad, but my, my, I'm, I'm a representation of your heavenly father. And when you know, man, God is with me, God is going to stand with me. He's going to strengthen me. He's going to be with me. No matter what I do, there's an expectancy that I'm going to win. And everybody likes to win. Like everybody wants to win. And so you, you have, you can go forward with that courage, that confidence that God is going to be with me. And I, there's nothing, that, what could stand in my way? What could possibly that's come a, against me? That's something super interesting that, that happened. That is exactly what my dad would say. Anytime I would say I can't, he would be like, you can't say that. Don't, yeah. you can't use those words. And there's something, uh, it, there's, it's probably horrible from a uh, psychology standpoint. There's probably a better way to, mm-hmm. to gently, uh, you know, um, assess the need or, but when your dad, te- I would go so far, any male role model looks at a young man at, there's a, there's a, as a young man's becoming a man. So whatever that is, nine to like 13, 14, and you're making a choice to quit in that age bracket. And a, a man that you, that loves you, you believe in, tells you, don't say I can't, don't quit. Those are, those are super for. It's like getting a shot. Of, it's like getting it's a shot of adrenaline. It, it's getting a shot of the kid. It's getting a shot of masculinity. Yeah. Right. It's getting a shot of like, Mm-mm, yeah. you don't get to say that. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean you know how to do it, but you don't get to say that. The other thing I would say is, uh, so all of this is, is oriented around our fathers. I think that was a great question, Phil, but, um, Look for it, as as young men look for it. I yeah. I got I was already a hard worker. I was already doing a lot, um, and I got married. My wife's grandfather, hardest working man I've ever seen, built his own house, all kinds of stuff, and they have a a, a strong Christian tradition, and they are it, it's permeated their whole family. And so we come up, we go up and visit them. There's a lot of traditions they do, and uh, this guy's. 80, at the time he was in his eighties and something would come up that need to be done. And he just got up and did it. And I saw in myself all this procrastination, all this, like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. He was 80. And he was like, there was one night, <clears throat> his roof, he built his whole, whole entire house. It was raining. His roof had a, a small leak in it somewhere. This guy got up, went outside in the middle of the rain. He was, I was like, is this even safe? You know, <laughs> but they're, they're look for it. Look for men that are living that way. And it, it should shine a mirror on you. And you should all of a sudden say, whoa, whoa, he can do it. I can at least try. I can at least go start moving myself in that direction. And, and cause there are, there's a lot of role models out there. They're probably not going to be your your pop or, you know, somebody direct. So look for it. Yeah. I'll say about that too. I think that there, that cuts both ways. It cuts two ways. One is that, yeah, your dad is not going to be able to be everything for you. And for many, many people, that's just not even an option. Their dad's not around. Their dad's dead. Like, you know, whatever happens. So you're going to need other men to look to, to have other skills, other strengths to help show you the way. Like just working off of a pattern is so much better, so much easier, so much clearer than having to figure out yourself. But the other part is also be that kind of man, right. be the kind of man who models for another guy. Here's what it looks like. And, and that kind of requires some intentionality it requires, Hey man, let, come here. Let me show you this. Right. So, um, I like the, you know, thinking about how to learn how to do something first, you show them, then you do it with them and then you let them do it. So like a couple of weeks ago, I was changing the oil in my car and I had all my boys come out and I said, Hey, get in the car. Here's what we're looking at. Here's what this is. Here's what we're trying to do here. And I just was walking in through the whole thing. Now, 
it made the job take a lot longer. It, um, it required, you know, it was, it was sort of like annoying. There's some things that didn't, you know, go great about it. They weren't fully helping, but I want them to begin to see how the world works. Right. And I'm, and I'm intentionally bringing them along to show them. Now I could have just done it easier myself, uh, but I didn't, I, I wanted to, I want, what was much more important to me was, was showing these guys. I had remodeled a bathroom in my house and I've never done tile work. My father-in-law, he's a, he's a good tile guy. And, um, so I said, Hey, would you come over and help me with this tile thing? And I was excited because I was going to learn how to do the tiling. And so I'm, I'm a, I know how to be a good helper. I had the tools ready, handed to him. Like I was just a good number two assistant man. And, um, but he just kept doing like, he just was doing it and he was just going after and doing it. And I was like getting frustrated after a while. Like, all right, man, like I want to do, like, I'm ready. Like put me in coach. I'm ready to play. And, uh, and it just, it, he wasn't think he was thinking I got a job to do. He wasn't thinking, let me pass on this knowledge uh, to my son-in-law. And I think that there's re- some intentionality in saying, man, I'm, I'm intentionally going after guys and bringing them along and helping to, to encourage them, show them, equip them to be successful. I think that's part of being in a community that's strong, that we want to encourage each other and learn from each other, be that kind of where we're sharing and we're helping and we're looking towards how do we raise up young men? Because the, the future is just going to need strong men and women that know what they're doing. It's, yeah. and, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think more and more also, you know, my, my dad and my, and my folks uh, were in my life and showed a strong work ethic and I learned a lot from them. But I think um, I also learned a lot from men in the church growing up. Um, and I think more and more potentially, you know, the church is going to have to be um, the place that uh, is an example for that and calls young men, um, um, you know, and, and young women into the, into the work and into these situations where they can learn this type of, of ethic. Um, like I know, uh, I remember one time when we were uh, young, um, the neighbor by our church that we grew up at, um, the, the fence had just like fallen over the, the, the woman's fence had fallen over. So, um, one of the guys from the church was just like, Hey, be here Saturday. We're going to, we're going to rebuild that fence, the neighbor's fence, you know? And it's like, it wasn't, do you, do you, do you like fence building? Do you want to do that? Are you, are you skilled at it? Anything like that? It was like, there was a need. Um, and we're all going to be here Saturday and we're going to rebuild their fence for it because it's something that needs to be done. And I think that, um, you know, that kind of thing is like it marks, you, you know, it marks you. It, it's something in your memory that um, that's like you look back to and it's really important to have those moments. And it doesn't take a lot of them, yeah. you know, but it does take some intentionality. They, they could have just showed up and and built the fence. They could have hired someone. They could have just gave her money to help her hire someone else. But no, they said that, you know, we're going to work. And not only are we going to work, we're going to invite the younger men in the church, uh, you know, to, to, to do that with us. So. Yeah. What I was going to say was, um, I liked playing video games and I liked t- typing in the cheat codes, you know, so I got like, you know, unlimited Extra. lives and things like that. Well, the cheat code for what we're talking about is YouTube because there's tradesmen that have step-by-step step for every issue that you could ha- ever encounter with building a fence or pouring concrete or re-roofing and so you just go to youtube and it's okay to try it yourself and if you mess up a little bit try it again it's gold man. it's gold I, I got my first i was late to the game so i think i got my first set of power tools in my 30s you know and I, my i never saw my old man swing a hammer so i had no context of how to do anything and so i'm trying to figure it out and then i'm looking at my house and this is broken and that's broken and like someone said no one's coming to save you like no one no one's going to walk <laughs> through the door you know and coming to do stuff and so you just got to figure it out and it's okay to suck at things the first time and figure it out and keep going and i want i want to toss this in there too 
and it's going to be frustrating. Yeah, you're like, going to get mad. I, uh, you're going to get really mad. It's I got a whole place, and it, it's just part of it. Just you almost want to uh, back to what Tobias said. It's almost like teach your soul to be okay with that frustration. Like, yeah. Like um, I have an old place, and one of the panels on the front of the house had some termites, and I got two puppies, and so they hit it, and it's broken now. So the front of the house. And, and the wife is on me. She's like, this is not okay. You know, they're destroying our house, all this stuff, which, yeah, it didn't look good. And I was like, I know I could do this. I have no clue actually how to put a panel on the, you know, it's, and so I just, I was at Home Depot. I'm asking him like, hey, where are the panels for your house? And he's like, <laughs> where are the house panels? Yeah, I was like, you got house panels? And he's like, he's like, what? What are you talking about? I'm like, come on. You know, man. the uh, house panels. Work with me here, man. I need a panel that goes on a house. Point me at something. So I got some stuff. It's not the right thing, you know? And um, I'm out there. I got my saw horses out. I'm looking at it. I'm like, all right, we're going to, we're going to, yeah, no, no. All right. It was, I got a circular saw. I'm not on the hand saw. But I, you know, uh, it was it was an interesting thing because I'm I'm doing it and I as I start to pull off the panels I'm like oh okay so I I was like this is gonna this could be bigger you know there's other stuff in there I know needs to be taken Behind. care of but this is what we'll do for right now see you it starts to teach you a little bit of how the world works you know you got to get the lumber you got to you got to think about it you got to measure and all of those things like I I had said earlier like work accumulates you know like. If you never do that kind of stuff, you never put yourself out there, you're thinking about the cost. Okay, what can I do on this budget? What needs, what's an immediate, you know, versus how long is this going to take? How long? When do I start the project? When do I need to get up? What do I have to have prepared? Work is doing all this stuff in the background for you that it, 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 and there's risk. I might have opened that up and said, oh, this is, I can't do this and I need help and I don't have the money. But there, there's all, there's a good that is in, leaning into it um i did it i fixed it and the dogs bit it and now it's broken again (laughs) there's a real question about the dogs right now why do you have problem with dogs i didn't even see your dog last night you still he's there chained up where he can't get in trouble he was silent too we still he's got (laughs) he's got a bark electric shock collar i I think what you're saying like and the one of the points is we were made for it right we were made uh, our God is a creator, right? He he created that he gave he gave us a responsibility. He worked. He worked and he gave us the gift of working and creating. And it got harder because of the fall, but even that we can learn to enjoy the toil because it, it adds up to something, like you said. Yeah. Uh, something that echoes into the design of the pre fall created perfect world of work. And there's also parts of dude, I hit my hand, my finger, I can't find my tool, it's not going the way that I wanted to. You know, it's it's interesting to think about what work will be in the new heavens, the new earth, like, man, it just will be fruitful and productive and and light. I I was going to say there's two ends of the spectrum here with regard to work where that feeling of satisfaction of getting something done, like you guys just helped me dig the holes with the auger for my fence posts and I built the fence and that satisfaction is you cannot compare that satisfaction of I built this and it is good and it's going to last on the opposite end of that is the feeling of inadequacy. And if you ever want to feel inadequate, uh, be me going onto a construction site with a bunch of tradesmen for the first time. Like that is the big, that is the epitome of feeling inadequate where all these men who are rugged and they got their tool belts and their, you know, they, their tape measures worn down. They don't even have, you know, numbers on it, but they just know where, you know, the three and three eighths is and they're, 
making perfect cuts. And so I was on a job site a couple weeks ago and I, it was kind of a cool moment because I'm not that guy anymore. Cause I've, I've taken those steps and those risks. And the point of this is to say, um, you're going to feel inadequate when you first start doing these things, but trust the process and just consistency and keep trying, whether it's at a job or whether you're fixing your house or whatever it is with raising your son or daughters, you're going to feel inadequate, but the consistency is what's going to get you through. And, uh, there's that innate desire in everyone. So I was at this job site and there was this, this guy that my six-year-old could beat up. He was the homeowner and he was just this skinny, scrawny little dude. He had an office. He was obviously on the computer. He had framed pictures of Michelle Obama and Ruth Gator, Bader Ginsburg in his office. I mean, you guys are getting a picture of the type of guy. Got it. Yeah. Got okay. It. And um, and I'm like, man. And so he has this IKEA furniture out in the middle of a job site while they're building his house, and tradesmen having to step over him while he's trying. He's got his little like Mickey Mouse hammer and, <laughs> and screwdriver trying to put things together. And the general contractor is like, see, I see that he's annoyed. Because like you're getting in the way of me trying to get your deadlines done, but you want to be included. But the general contractor kind of got down on one knee and was like kind of helping him out. And I just kind of saw in that picture, like there's an innate need, no matter how soy boy you are, you know, (laughs) like there's an innate desire to want to be one of those tradesmen to be capable, to not feel inadequate. And he put his, he took his Ikea bench and he just wanted to be included and be one of the guys. And so it was a cool moment where I saw the desire, the innate desire, and then I saw the the master craftsman who knows how to build homes kneel down and kind of say, hey, this is how you do it. Hold your hammer this way. Hold your screwdriver this way. Yeah. You're using a Phillips. You need a flathead. Well, yeah, you know that. That was zero. He was at zero. He was at, no, he's at zero. <laughs> Yikes. Yep. He had a picture of Michelle Obama and Ruth Bader. <laughs> and Ruth Bader. Kids. I, yeah, I, I, you said, you said Michelle. When you said that, you were like, you're getting a picture of this guy. I was like, I don't know. Where to, what, I can't conceptualize it. Hey, he's better, <laughs> better late than never. Right? Yeah, better than yeah. yeah, never. And exactly. that, that's something I was going to say too is my, what you should do as a young man, but you can take risks then, but even now, like it's never too late. The, like all of life is about learning. Like, like I luckily early in my life, I didn't look at things as inadequacy. It was, I looked at things like what, what else do I have to learn? Is this a new area to learn? Great. I don't know anything about it. Okay. I'm going to learn it. Curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity. Just get yeah. out there and learn. I and, mean, that, you and creativity. I think that's, I think that's when you have that experience of, I have zero idea how to do this. And I go and I no longer have zero idea. Now I have some idea. It's a good feeling. Like, Oh dude, the whole, I have my life has been open to a new area. It's a pattern too. I have an opportunity. Yeah, and now I want more of that. I want to become cap- capable and competent in in all these different because I can do it and I want to do it. And that's I will just say I think that's one of the things that I would say we're poor because of YouTube. I will use YouTube to explain everything. If I need to find a certain kind of fuse for whatever, I'm using YouTube. Like for sure, that's true. But what you don't get is you don't get that guy coming alongside you and saying, hey, man, you got this. Here's how you do it and showing you how to do it. And I think that passing on of competency is actually a deeper thing that we can't get from YouTube. Like you can't get the relationship and the the character and almost the the I don't even know what it is. Some some spiritual of of passing on masculinity when you do something with another guy. And I would just say, I would, I think seeking out guys who have 
skill sets who you want to learn from, not just a guy above you, but even just, I think in this room, there's things I've learned from you guys and how to do things and how we're going to do things, figure something out. We figure something out together. And there's like a real, like, like we're, there's a fraternity that happens and we're better off afterwards for, for pursuing those things together. And I think that, you know, having space in your life for saying, man, Hey, we're going to help each other with this thing. Or, um, you know, we're going to go after this thing. I have, I have a terrible dog too. I, I actually going into this, I thought Spencer had his dogs figured out, and so I thought he was going to help me out. Now I'm worried he doesn't have anything. To they're do. pretty, they're pretty good. They I wasn't there on the. They just love house, house panels. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. They don't. Uh, they don't listen to the wife as well as me. Yeah, but I think having guys that are walking alongside with you that can confer, you know, strength and masculinity into you, I think there's like a a, a momentum that happens there that's valuable and good. And yeah, is part of work. Yeah, because a lot of what we're talking about is like is really recovering things that we. So, so I think in in the past when you had households when you had men working side by side with each other, fathers and sons or communities things like that, um, it was just the way to do work, the way to think about work. It was just something you remembered because you had seen it. And I think now uh, nowadays we're actually we don't have something. A lot of people don't have something to remember about how to work, how to think about it, the, the the way to set your goals and keep your eye on on the on the mission and things like that. So we're having to like recover that and recover the skills and um and it, and you have to be kind of much more intentional about it. Um but yeah, I think that that's like uh that's a really really important thing. I, I want to throw something out there too for uh I think this is what we're talking about is 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 really striking at a deep thing about work, but I also like I work at a job lot of hours where I'm not touching a hammer. I'm not, I'm, and that is work as well. And I think it's, it takes a different, uh, mindset and intentionality Like you, you were opening up with that bow where you were saying like, there's a, there's a leap there to be made. And uh, the reason I wanted to touch on it is the landscape we're in, there's going to be a lot of people who are in jobs like that. And it might not feel like you just had a hard day's work and your hands are cut up or something, but work where you're at and put that mentality towards it. Like if you have to write an email, you can be creative. You can be diligent. Like there's a lot of people that are selling stuff, right? There's, there's a work ethos that goes into any space you're in. You can, you can leverage it to do as best as you can in that space. And, and also keep the learning mindset, like curiosity and, and those things help work go better. You can, iterate on your job. You can go quicker, faster. You can make a connection, even if it is via, you know, teams or, or Slack or something. And those aren't the deep connections of the, but make the most of wherever you're at and apply yourself in the, in, into whatever space you're in and be a good hard worker. Um, I think that's really important, especially for nowadays, because a lot of jobs are just, they're going to be virtual or you're going to be at a desk or something. Yeah. You know, you talking about seeing different types of work. I, I think one thing that's important too is when you see someone who, uh, I mean, work at all, is all of life, right? Someone who's a, who does something with their kids that you don't, with their wife, has an attitude um, that you could you aspire to. I think seeing someone who's better at something than you, you have a few options. One is be like, screw that guy, right? Like he's better at it. Like I, you know, you don't like him for some reason. Okay, that's not the right way to go. The other is, oh, I could never do that. I feel inadequate. That's not the right way. To go. The, the way to go is. What did he do? What is he saying? What What did he do that I could? You know what? I know I could get there or I admire that or I respect that. How, and now I'm going to try to work that in. I'm going to try to get there. Um, and I think that's really valuable is 
is not looking at someone else like you can never do it or forget that guy. He has something I don't have. No, I'm going to go get it. How did he do it? Figure out how to do it. I, uh, Miles McPherson was talking one time and you know, he's, he's done a lot his whole life. He's, he's busy. He's doing a lot for the kingdom. He has, he has his hand on a lot of things. He was talking about a guy that he met, an older guy that was doing even more. He's writing a book. He's pastoring a church. He's doing all these things, right? He said, how do you have time? And he said, it's just seasons of, you hit these seasons where you think you can't do more and you push on for a little bit. And then all of a sudden you look back and you realize you've reached this new level of, of efficiency and capacity. And you just keep doing that in seasons. And all of a sudden you realize, you know, and that's the thing is Miles is looking at other guys. You look at other guys that you see what they're doing and you push towards it. Um, and, you know, and that's, you were talking about rest too. It is work six days, rest one. But, you know, the Bible also talks about like, you know, the seven years, like years of Jubilee, years of rest, right? So it's it's weeks, it's years, it's longer than that where you have seasons, right? You can, you have rest during your day, you have rest during your week. You have rest some y- after some years. You have right? so mm-hmm. I think you know looking looking forward to the seasons of hard work and also enjoying the rest. Um, but it's not you know you don't have to get it every day. And sometimes you're not going to get it every week. Sometimes you're going to get it after you know a while. I think one of the things you said is really good you, you, when you're looking at someone that's that you aspire to. You know what's the right mentality there? And I think you saying um, if if he does it, um, I'm going to find out how, how how he did it and do it too. Um, and it's like that, um, that quote from the edge, that great movie, if you haven't seen it, but Anthony Hopkins is trying to encourage this guy, um, that, that, uh, to do something very difficult that neither of them have, have ever done, right. They got to kill this bear that's trying to kill them. And anyways, it, the line is what one man can do, another can do, you know, and it's yeah. kind of one of those moments where he's, he, he's say it, he's telling him, yeah. you, you know, speak this out, what one man can do, another can do. And I think that, um, that mentality, you know, it just brought it to mind. Um, and, uh, that mentality is really important in, in anything that, um, you know, God made us as human beings for work. You are able, yeah. right? someone figured this out at some point in history, right? They didn't have YouTube. They didn't have someone to tell them. God has given us such an, uh, an ability to, to figure things out, to work hard, to gain skills, to do these things that I think that that's a really important uh, thing that uh, a mentality to have, you know, that you can't, you can do it. I say it, I think uh, to my sons, um, a lot of times, um, I end up saying, uh, cause I, cause you said, figure it out. And I, and I realized, man, I say that to my sons all the time when they get frustrated or they want to say that they can't, I say, you need to figure it out or ask for help. Yeah. If you need help, ask me, we'll do it together or you figure it out. Right. But those are the options, right? Ask for help yeah. or figure it out. Uh, I want to go back to something that you said, uh, about Mike LeBond saying your twenties and then your thirties. <clears throat> and I want to kind of challenge and push back on that a little bit because, um, <clears throat> there was uh, an empl- uh, a coworker that we had at Ashford when we were together, Newt Newton. Remember Newt? And he, he, you, yeah. And he was in his forties working at Ashford, and he dropped everything and he went to go work for. He went to start his own plumbing business. He went to start his own plumbing business in his forties, and so I kind of wanted to push back on that and say, like, it's not too late to try something new. And he classified it as, as I only have so many working decades. And what's the number of uh, minutes a day or the number of hours you need to become an expert? 10,000 hours. And so when Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. And so, and so I think to take a page from Newt's uh, idea of, you know, 18 minutes a day 
for six years is all it's going to take for me to become an expert in things. He was in his forties. He's like, I still have my whole forties and fifties. I got 20 years. I got more than enough time to try to learn a new trade and things like that. So if you know, it might be a little more difficult to upend what you're doing now. If you're, if you feel like this isn't for me or there's a dead end career or, you know, the careers it's, it's not an emerging market anymore. So I feel like it might be a little more difficult if you have wife, family, kids, mortgage, all that stuff, rent, but the risk, you could take the risk. risk. You could take the risk. And and he think he's still doing it now. I I saw him at a gas station like a year ago, right after COVID. No way. Making sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. Hey, Spencer, well, it didn't work, man. Yeah, <laughs> Can you get me back in it after? No, he was uh, he was doing good. I, def- I definitely think there's something to be said for, um, you know, that the, it's just a pattern, right? Like th- there's definitely different seasons of life, different places. Man, who knows what life could throw at you? You could be upended and have to figure out a whole different thing, have to make a whole shift. I think that's part of having your head up and looking around. And I think partly like being prepared for, Lord, whatever season you bring me into, I'm going to approach it with confidence that you're going to lead me, you're going to be with me. Because life can, you could get fired tomorrow and have a real hard time finding another job in that industry. You could get injured. There's all kinds of things that could happen that could waylay, could throw off, could change a trajectory. That that idea of being prepared. I, I want to say one thing you made me think about, though, the the 10,000 hours to become an expert um, is that the just the value of plotting, the value of doing small things on a regular basis, they're going to end up being a, a big thing in the end. Um, there's a, a, a quote that I like. Um, it says basically like the the life with God is a long obedience in one direction. Like it's just a, a long faithfulness in one direction towards the Lord that, and that, that applies to like, man, God, I want to bring your, into my career, into everything. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to go after it. And after a long time, you realize, man, I've come a long ways. I've, I've really accomplished a lot. And so not undervalue and not anything has to be a spectacular, beautiful, amazing mission. Some days are just, I'm just putting one foot in front of the other. I'm just grinding and I'm expecting that that's going to produce something in the long run. So having that with that, having the small picture, like it's zoomed in just day to day. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time kind of mentality of just, I'm just going to do this, put one foot in front of this one. I'm going to let tomorrow worry about itself. And then also what vision am I pursuing? The big picture, what I'm pursuing, I think having, holding both those things is kind of key to like having a successful mentality to accomplishing what God would have. For and some of that is faith with the type of careers um, that we have that like Spence mentioned that it's not necessarily this type of work where you see, um, you know, what you created that day and it was, and it was good work. You know, the, the, um, I think a lot of times it's much more disconnected, but I think part of that uh, has to be uh, faith in God that he's going to use that. You know what I mean? And asking God to bless the work of your hand. If, if it's sending an email, right? Whatever the case may be, you try to do it with excellence. Uh, you try to work as unto the Lord. Some things, it's very difficult to see how you're, um, how you're benefiting anyone maybe with, with some of these very specialized jobs. And I've, I've been there, I am there. There's, there's tasks that are just like, I should be like planting something in the ground instead of doing this. Right. But I think that's where the faith comes in that if, that if God has uh, has blessed you in this in this career, and he's put you here for this time. Um, that you're going to work it diligently and ask God, please bless the work of my hands. And I have faith, even though I can't really see how this is the most productive use of my time. Um, I ask that you, that you would that you would bless it. You know, yeah. I think one thing maybe it's another conversation, but the idea of freeing yourself from the fear of money that you yeah. work and because you need the money and 
you need, you're worried about losing the money and you're, how do I get more money? All of that, you have to make sure that you flip that as early as possible, as soon as possible to you're serving God. God is taking you somewhere in your life and this is part of it. And money is a, it's a resource. It's something else he's given you to accomplish his will, but you cannot be serving the, the money can't be your master. You can't, yeah. you can't be so worried that you're, you don't take risk or you don't make moves or you don't, you're not excited about what you're doing because the money weighs you down. Which that's, is, the, that's the the parable of the talents. If you're he the the didn't want to lose, he it. didn't want to lose yeah, it, yeah, yeah. and so then God comes back and is like, that, yeah, that, was, that, that was the wrong way to now go. You really did that's lose the wrong it. way to go. That yeah. makes yeah. a boring and oppressed and uninspiring life. But if you can free yourself from that, and you can the days that are hard work, the life that's hard work. I'm good at this hard work. I can do it. I'm excited to do it. I'm headed somewhere. Today was tough, but I did it. I'm made for it. That that is an exciting, you know, and and God's taking me somewhere. That's an exciting life. That's an inspiring life. That's something that you you know. That's an adventure. Whereas instead of just a, a drudge, you know, um, something really quick. There was a book called the Di- the difference between the middle class and millionaires. And to to your point in plotting, that's hard to do for people who are you know in poverty, who are living paycheck to paycheck day by day. Um, but the one takeaway from that book is um, people who are poor think day to day. Um, think people who are middle class, think month to month. You think about month to month paycheck, living paycheck to paycheck, poor day to day. Where am I going to get my food? I don't know where I'm going to get water. Um, the rich think year by year and the wealthy think decade by decade. And so to kind of have that mentality is where are you on that spectrum? Um, and where do you need to level up? If you're month to month, okay, I need to start making yearly goals now. Um, if you're poor and you're thinking, I don't know where my next food food's going to come from, you need to start thinking month to month. Okay. I need to start making monthly goals. And you think about all the Dave Ramsey, uh, goals and things like that, that you set that up that way, but to have your grinding micro mentality, but then also have the vision is where am I? I, I think that's, I think that's part of it, but I think Tobias is saying even something a little bit different, which is, I think we're, we're in many ways poorer than people are before because of we have the luxury of consistency, right? We have a consistent economy. We we can I have the idea of a consistent paycheck. You were talking about a job you had one time where you had to, once you got the paycheck, <laughs> you ran to the, the bank because you didn't know, you know, whose paycheck was going to clear yeah. after they only had X amount of money. And, um, but because we have such a consistent, easy, you know, not easy, but consistent, safe economic situation, it's easy to just put your trust in yourself. We have, we, yeah. we don't need to trust the Lord for our healing because we have a great medical system. We don't need to trust the Lord for these kind of things because we know that the electricity is going to go on. The water is going to go on when life is less consistent. It does make it in many ways easier to trust God and, and say, yeah. Lord, I'm, but, but we're still the same scriptures are still applied to us. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worry for itself. Do not worry about where your next meal is going to come from. Do, look at the birds of the sky and look at the, the lilies of the field. Are they not uh, more arrayed in, uh, than all the Kings of the world? Right? Like the idea that, that we as Christians need to walk by faith and trust God is hard to do when you can make $150,000 a year showing up for this job and consistently just checking in, you know, the paycheck's going to be there. Yeah. How do you trust God with your, f- and so I think that idea of saying, man, I'm, I'm not trust. I'm not putting my trust in chariots or horses. I'm not putting my trust in my tech job. I'm not putting my trust in my career. I'm putting my trust in the Lord and wherever he takes me, wherever he leads me, he's going to provide for me. Yeah. And so that's where my confidence it's is. Exciting. That's, a, that's exciting. And it's the, it's a much better yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. 
than trying to trust in yourself and your own strength and your own ability. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy that says, always remember that it's the Lord who gives you the ability to make wealth. Yeah. And I read that when I was young. I think I was in uh, early high school or something like that. Um, and I think that it, that that truth goes both ways. He is providing for us. Yeah. He is the provider, right? And and as as far away as we get from the fact that God makes things grow and that's what keeps us alive, like yeah. we eat the things, uh, that He makes them grow. Yeah. He makes it rain. We all we all live by that. Yeah. That's at the base of everything, and we're so far, I think, from that that we we do start to become deluded and thinking that. The, the digital dollars going into your bank account are what keep you alive. Right. Incorrect. Right. God keeps you alive. Right. Yeah. And so, it, it, but it is much harder to trust him um, in our uh, kind of modern society because we're so far away from that truth. Right. Whereas if you're living somewhere else or you're, you're a subsistence farmer, man, you are praying that God would send the rain. You're yeah. praying that he makes that sin. And if grow. he doesn't, and if I he, don't know what's going to happen. Right. So Lord, please come through for me. But it's very me. obvious in those situations that God is your provider. Yeah, we have exactly. To, we have to keep it more in mind. Yeah. You know? And that's part of just the dilemma of modern man, right? Like, Lord, we're trying to walk out faithfulness to you, obedience to you, obedience to your scriptures in this world that is in so many ways trying to pull us back, you know, trying to trying to give us a reason to be lazy or entitled. And Lord, we want to lean into, we want to be hard workers, want to be faithful. And yet we also want to recognize, Lord, we're trusting you or our hope is in you. Our confidence is in you or your ability to lead us and protect us and guide for us, um, guide us. And so I think we'll probably leave it there today because we've gone on for a while. So uh, thank you guys for joining us again. We will be back in a couple weeks with another podcast. Uh, God bless you guys. <laughs>